Good morning. We're at, uh, we're at a little chillier here today in the lower mainland, but it's still beautiful. Can't complain based on the fact that it's, you know, 50 below in some parts of the country right now. So now I'm walking around with a t-shirt on. Golf shirt. Golf shirt, of course. Yeah. Gotta be formal at work. But, um, yeah, so yesterday we talked a little about accessory structures and, uh, that being like a an outdoor space that you're using for for um, you know an office or a studio that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I, I would think that that would be a prime a prime use for uh, a residential residential lot to give yourself a little sanctuary to get out of a get out of the house. Um, and so it's something to consider if you're at any stage of the game, whether you're buying a house <clears throat> that doesn't really need anything, but you want to add a little space at the back. You always have to check your um, check your zoning, check your uh, check your design guidelines. Sometimes uh, on a, in new um, new builds, you can have a little trouble get going against uh, some of the design guidelines. So something to keep in mind as well. Um, what else is going on? Yeah, we've been pretty busy here. I mean, I talked a little about the holidays and, and timing of applications around the holidays. It's always, it's always a bit of a struggle um, for peop some people to understand. Some people think that the holidays are prime time to, to get things going because they can, because uh, they have the time off. Well, usually when, when there's sort of a standardized time off, it means that staff at, at wherever you're applying are also taking time off. So that's, that's one of those, uh, those issues where things get uh, everybody takes time off so it, it you know it slows down um, the issuance side of things so the people who are who are still working there are working non-stop but oftentimes if there's you know a few different processes that need to take place somebody in the chain is off right so if one person in the chain is off the uh, the whole thing breaks down right because you need uh, assurances from from coworkers or what have you, and on certain aspects of a project, and it all gets delayed as people are are off. I mean, that's that sort of leads into overall these processes is that you have to come into it with a, a, a mental framework that you understand that things things work through a process and a timeline and. Uh, as they do, there's multiple cooks in the kitchen. There's lots of different approvals that need to be uh, that need to be accounted for. Um, you can't you can't think that once you get through one hurdle that it's all of a sudden just one person at a time who's looking at your plans. Um, but uh, it's always something to 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 keep in the top of mind, right? Is that it's not a one-stop shop. Right? There's always, even internally, you know, we have internal processes, internal reviews that have to go on. And that's just the nature of, of any uh, municipal environment. No one, no one is the sole, um, sole person who looks at everything. They probably do that strategically to make sure that uh, there isn't one uh, incompetent person who's, uh, you know, turning things out the door that, that aren't even close to being 
code accurate and, and zoning accurate and all that sort of stuff. You always need to have multiple multiple people to, taking a look at things because uh, otherwise accidents happen and it just costs you money down the line because you know if an inspector comes out and things aren't to code, well, it's stated on a set of plans that all things are to code at, on, on the building site. So that's sort of too bad, so sad. You need to have to redo things if it's, even if it says so on the plan, it's got to be code compliant. So there you go. So yeah, just consider that when you're, when you're going through the process is that uh, there's multiple stages and, you know, be, have an open mind, have conversations with people, take it easy. I know it's, it's a lot of money on the line. I was overhearing at, a, at one of my hockey games two guys griping about the permit process and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's always funny. It's always funny because it's like, well, yeah, there, there's, you know, a, quite a bit of process involved, but like, you have to, you have to do it because if, if things aren't, things aren't itemized and, and strategically gone through in a certain order, we don't know, you know, people will cut corners. It's one of those industries where people will cut corners if they can. And uh, although they shouldn't, you know, we have to we have to find those people best we can. So there's also, I mean, health, health and safety issues. I think the, the main concern was this guy complaining about how much the cost of asbestos abatement was was costing him. I mean, he, he bought the house. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you don't test for. Even if you're buying a demo, I mean, you could, but I mean, a, a seller won't really care. I mean, you, you could try to chisel them down on asbestos content, but it'd be pretty, it'd be pretty tough to do that um, because you can live in a house that has asbestos, and as long as it's not motive, like it's not, uh, I don't think motive is the right term, but as long as it's not airborne or scuffed or uh, or the like sometimes you'll see it in um, flooring material, um, and so flooring material, if it if it's cracked, and all of a sudden um, that sort of outer membrane is cracked, you could actually be exposed to some asbestos. But it's probably such a small source that, and for the fact that to get all the way up and airborne high enough to to do any damage um, is probably pretty unlikely. Where you'll have the most issue with it is in uh, wallboard through the demolition process. I mean, even if it's even if it's uh, a hole in a hole in the wall, and uh, you're, you just sort of leave it, unless it's constantly being agitated. I mean, you could throw a, even a quick little splash of paint on it to to neutralize that uh, that issue. But when it comes to uh, demolishing. Um, you do need to, to keep that in mind because it can slow your whole thing down, right? If you find that there's asbestos and, and you have your local, like we have WorkSafe, if you have WorkSafe, something similar to it, which is like a, it's not the city, it's not, um, the, it's sort of a, yeah, it's a provincial, you know, safety standards branch. It's the same branch that you apply to if you get hurt on the job, right? So like, if in this case, if a demo contractor was on your site 
and he starts tearing down your house and you've got asbestos in it and you haven't done the required abatement, meaning that you haven't adequately removed the asbestos from the site, he just starts ripping and tearing and creating all sorts of airborne asbestos and he breathes that in, he could then make a claim against, probably against you because it is a requirement or you could face some heavy fines from WorkSafe, like they have their own group that sort of drives around and monitors sites to, to ensure that uh, safe work practices are, are going on. Um, and so that's something that, uh, that you keep in mind at the demo stage is that you have to get your uh, site tested. Um, and if the, the test comes back negative, shit, you're out. You know, I think it can, it can be fairly, a fairly pricey endeavor to get the uh, asbestos abated, but it's a requirement. Like there's nothing you can really do about it. So it just adds to the, the overall cost of, of materials and, and uh, construction. And that, that's what this, this guy was complaining about, was that, uh, you know, oh, I, I didn't realize it'd be another 30 grand. Like, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. It's, uh, it's a tough one, but uh, you gotta do it. I actually just drove past his place uh, this morning on my way into work, um, and it's, the asbestos has been invaded. Basically, the inside is just a hollowed-out shell because what they do is they they have like vacuum. Uh, basically, they attach like a a vacuum system to give it negative pressure, and then they tear down the the asbestos and all. They have to bag it up in these special bags and make it all a certain size and, and uh, so it'll fit in the bags but the whole time the, the, the negative pressure is sucking all the dust out of the room and also all the, the guys wear ventilators and, and all that sort of stuff to keep their lungs clear because what uh, the issue with asbestos is is that when it gets agitated and uh, becomes airborne the particles of it are so fine but they actually get stuck in the uh, in the lungs in the in the filament of the lungs, and then they clog it. And as those things, hey, as those things get clogged, all of a sudden, um, you know, more and more resources get rushed to the site um, in the body, and uh, you know, blood and white blood cells gather there, and there's a chance, a fairly high chance that. This can trigger things like lung cancer and that sort of thing. Or just over time, enough of those little villi get clogged up and you have trouble breathing, um, trouble getting oxygen into your lungs because they're all clogged up and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that agitates them or breaks it free or loose. So it's just one of those things that uh, slowly over time with enough exposure. I mean, everybody's so cautious of it now. It's not an issue, but back in the day when <laughs> probably when they were installing the uh, the asbestos wallboard in these houses. You know, guys were probably cutting without masks. And, and that's where this all was sort of found out, is that, you know, a certain amount of people had lung cancer, and you correlate that with um, the job that they were doing. So pretty uh, interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so you go... Uh, you go through that uh, that process to make sure that the site is clear, so that you can go ahead and, 
and tear the house down without any risk of damaging your yourself, your neighbors, your demo company. And so, so the, the abatement takes all the drywall and that sort of stuff out of there. Then you, of course, tear down. Site's nice and clear. You don't leave any trace of, of building materials. And you've got yourself a, a clean site um, with trees adequately protected. Um, you know, all fenced off, made safe. Sometimes you will actually have full-on fencing requirements at the property lines. We actually don't have that, but I think it's a, it's a good practice to get into to have your site fully fenced off just so that people don't, aren't in and out of your site and messing around and that sort of thing. Because it is your property and if, you know, shit goes down on, on your property, it could uh, come back to bite you. So, sort of the, again, sort of went on a tangent there as we got into we got into asbestos removal but it's an it's an you know aspect of the of the process um, that sometimes gets overlooked and the main reason is people don't understand why it's a big deal well it's a big deal because you can receive some heavy fines if you get caught um, if you get caught in the act of tearing down with asbestos in your house so that's it for today have a good day